Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We had an email from someone saying, Chris, please never, ever do your Scottish accent again. You're very good with accents. Well, she was Scottish and she thought not. Hey, Chris Sweeney. Hey, William Young. Oh, you remember my name because you've been away for so long. How would I ever forget that beautiful face? It's Homo Sapiens. Oh, we've got a fun packed show today. We've got Margaret Cho. Comedian, singer-songwriter, novelist, actor. The list goes on. She's progressive. She's punchy. She's powerful. The three Ps we like those is she a power bottom who knows hi chris sweeney where are you take your finger out of your mouth (laughs) it's not a finger um (laughs) i am in i am in west hollywood william how has your time with Anne sweeney been we've had a lovely time it's been really fun showing my mum los angeles and we went up to look at the hollywood sign And down to a place in Los Angeles called Downtown, which was a previously a very sort of place that people didn't go. A very run-down old theatre district. So beautiful old cinemas and theatres. Actually, weirdly, when you get there, looks like New York, like big, tall buildings. And that has become the new area to go. So there's lots of brilliant gay club nights there. Lots of really interesting, vibrant things happening. So me and mum went investigated and had a pizza. Now, you sent me a photo (laughs) of you in an establishment. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I wasn't quite sure what was going on in the background, but I had a fair idea. Well... Two questions. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Was Anne Sweeney with you on that night? She was not, officer. Second question, who were those gentlemen on the stage? They were go-go dancers. So we went to a gay club called Blazing Saddles and then went on somewhere else down the road in West Hollywood and there were go-go dancers, which you get a lot in gay clubs, but I've never, weirdly, just never really acknowledged what they do or how it works. Anyway, so my friend said to me, you've got to shove $5 in his pants and then they dance for you. And so I'd never done it before. So off I went with my little $5 bill and I reached into his crotchless panties and I popped it in there and then he did a dance for me. But I didn't actually realise the dance was for me. I didn't realise that was connected. And they took a photo of me as I did it. And um, I felt like a little school kid when you have to do something, do like a dare at school. 
And then I got chatting to the guy standing next to me who, who said, I've had sex with all three of those go-go dancers. Now, was he thinking that you might be the fourth? If you, if you could see my saggy little bottom, William, I think all confusion would disappear. <laughs> Fill me in on your week. I see you've had a very good haircut. It's a 10 out of 10, actually. Oh, mea culpa. I saw my own hair, apart from the stuff that was stitched in. Um, <laughs> that was from a Berber rug from the 1800s. <laughs> That's why I got they the zigzag. Listen, if it's lasted that long, it'll last another. What have I got left? <laughs> With the smoking, five and a half. Um, I did my video. Give us three nuggets of excitement. Well, I can't say what the video is about mm-hmm. because I will be hung, drawn and quartered by the exclusive photos that are going to, I believe this year, Crufts magazine. <laughs> um, three little clues. Okay. Oil. <gasps> okay, okay. Bike. Bike. Okay, 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 yum, yum, yum. Horses. Oh, God, I've done it. Oh, God, I've done it now. <laughs> I've let the cat out the bag. I've actually let the cat out the so bag. So this is... I felt a bit like we were on countdown then. You were like, consonant, consonant, <laughs> consonant, please. Why when they were always asking Carol... I know it's not Carol anymore, it's Rachel. Good knowledge. Uh, why when they were asking Carol for the numbers, mm. were they always like, oh, yeah, 200... And, and any small ones oh no no now another big one she presses the button for it to come up with the with the number they've got to reach anyway oh does she or when they get all consonant oh no no another vowel another vowel just yeah. let it bring out all the letters it's going to be a mess regardless isn't it um, did I tell you about the time I did bingo on holiday and I thought that you you only had to get one line across not the full board I screamed bingo, and of course everyone else then goes, oh, and clears their boards. Amazing. And then, then Bonnie, her name was Bonnie, trotted over. Wow. Um, this, was a, this was a holiday camp in South Africa. It was sort of funny sort of holiday camp. It was weird. It was the, literally the kind of thing that was on Dirty Dancing. Imagine that in South Africa. Oh, my God, the dream. I know, it was kind of amazing, actually. Oh. And uh, she goes, oh, no, sorry, he's only just had a line. I've never had... Uh, and not in that way. I've only, I've never had so many evil looks from older people in my life. Well, I bet. <laughs> Do you know what you shout in French for bingo? Bingo. No, I'm pretty sure it's saye. Saye. Yeah. How do you know that? I think we played it in school. I think I, I we used to go to France. I used to be sent to France a lot as a child on French exchanges. And oh, no. oh horrendous. Where? Oh, no. Uh, we do things like play bingo or I went once went on a French exchange where my French exchange wouldn't talk to me for the entire week, basically shut me in my room while he had his friend round, handsome friend, I recall, even then. Uh, and then he came to England and then wanted to do loads of stuff with me. And I was like, you were rude to me in France. I can share that I did the video with Rankin, who is a very renowned photographer and director now. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like royalty. I turn up to Rankin's studio. Well, it's five-star treatment all the way. Go on. Robes, if you want to have a shower. Who? Cappuccinos on tap. You can imagine how much I was guzzling that down. Wow, now yes. you Now, you couldn't smoke inside, but I think if I'd pushed, I would have been able to do it in the broom cupboard. Yes, you love a broom cupboard and you love smoking. I mean, I know you've done music videos as well, but I'll tell you this because you probably don't know this. Mm. Um, so they speed up the song. The, the pop song, let's say by a third or half. Mm. So if it's like, think about leave right now, it's like, think about leave right now before I fall in the bed. Think about leave right now. Yes. <laughs> you sound so like funny. a chip. You, you have to mouth along to a chipmunk whilst thinking, my God, what's happened to my life? And 
then when you slow it down, you've got a nice slow-mo shot, but the singer is singing the song in real time. Yeah, it's very it's clever. Very, very clever. Now, I don't know who came up with this, but I detest the person that came up with this. I bet. Because every pop video, it's like, oh, let's do it. At, should we do it a third? No, let's do it at 50. Mm. Right, yeah, let's do it at 50. Now, my new song's quite quick. Yes. So that was a challenge. I bet. And I've was. got a lisp, so I can't get my words around a, a word with an S at the best of times. Do you know who I was out with in Los Angeles by sheer coincidence? Is it James li- Franco. Uh, if only. Cher. All the people who were on the videos from your time at Sony Records, which is how we met. Michael Keith. Samara and Ben Townley. We all went out to a gig in Silver Lake, which is the groovy new area. We saw this girl called Celeste Singh, who is like incredible she's like a cross cross between india re with a with a flavor of adele oh my lord you could have heard a pin drop she's english she was doing a tiny little show in america for some reason everyone was so enthralled by her performance really beautiful soulful singing except for one woman from newcastle who was so drunk taking (laughs) who of course chose to stand next to me holding her drink sideways so that it was like dripping all over my feet and with the torch on her phone on and pointing (laughs) it at (laughs) Celeste singing and then doing videos but she'd video like the top right hand corner of the room for for like while the song was going on and I was looking at her and I was like I can she tell that she's not actually videoing the actual performance but actually yeah she's really drunk and in a way I should yeah I do sometimes feel sorry for people who are that drunk because I think Alcohol doesn't mix well with them. I feel sorry for them. And then I think, very easy to steal from. (laughs) Well, how do you think I got my vodka tonic? We go from lowbrow to highbrow, because I see you clutching some books there. I've been sent a brace of books. Spot goes to the zoo. Spot goes Um, to... (laughs) I couldn't couldn't get into that one. Very, very deep. Slow burn, slow burn. I've been sent a couple of books. Usually they go straight in the bin. Um, but <laughs> this, this, this one, these two haven't. This one is Heartstopper, Volume 1, Boy Meets Boy by Alice Oseman. And it's a comic. It's a sort of comic which I think has been online. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm going to show you some of the... slightly reminds me of Archie. Do you remember Archie? Oh, yeah. Very kind of comic. classic. And very classic sort of 50s and it's just like a gay read. comic it's a gay love story oh i love that and then there's another one saying celebrating difference a whole school approach to lgbt plus inclusion by sean delenti have you been keeping track of what's going on with andrew moffat i heard a little bit tell me what's been going on with our friends from season two andrew moffat well yeah so andrew moffat is a teacher in, in a school in Birmingham who teaches a program called No Outsiders that is amazing. And I think anyone who l- would like to know more about it, we went up to his school and we spoke to him and the pupils at the school. But what's been in the news this week is that a lot of parents have been very angry about this No Outsiders program that he's teaching, which is essentially everybody of whatever faith, race, gender, cannot be deemed an outsider we all have to be inclusive and accept that each other have different views i actually think that personally i find that a very unconfrontational concept but 
there's been parents rallying and saying what he's doing is really bad. Now, the motivations of that I don't fully understand and it's not for me to say because they obviously feel they're acting in their in a correct way, otherwise they wouldn't be doing it. But it does make me sad. I think it would be really interesting for people to go back and listen to that interview if they want to. But also what I found, what I find a little bit mystifying about it is that Andrew has always said that he really is never trying to do anything at the expense of anyone else's beliefs. So I don't know why. No. And I wonder what's changed since we went there. And yeah, I remember I was given the impression that he very much had the consent and understanding of the parents of a school that was, let's say, full full of, let's say, 90% Muslim children, and that the parents knew that he wasn't expecting them to agree or support beliefs that they don't believe in. It was more just following a programme of acceptance, that there is difference, acceptance of difference, which works both ways, you know, two ways. So... Yeah, I'm not quite sure what's gone in there. We should email him and find out. My God, we're on the our fingers are on the pulse. We love him and we support him, so I hope he's okay. Chris, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hang on a sec. Why has William got the Twitter questions in front of him? I tell you I why. Because I'm all over this shit. I feel like I'm genuinely watching a little chick that has been in the nest and they've just taken their little teeter over the edge of the nest and now they're flying for the first time so our hashtag homo sapiens question of the week what do you collect handmade craft co or someone um, bookmarks they have to be leather and only from places that i've visited myself i've been given many as gifts but they don't count does that make me ungrateful or a control freak Mm. well it's funny you say that because I always try and get a painting. Wherever I go in the world, I try and get a picture of a painting so that all my pictures in my house are filled with the lovely things, you know, to give it a purpose. So you have it, um, it is also a memory. And I went to the Rose Bowl, which is this huge antiques market here, that you would have lost your mind. And actually, you would have had the patience to look through all the thousands of racks of clothes, which I just didn't. Russell Dornan at Russell Dornan. Brooches and pins. I've got a few. And there's a picture here. Actually, quite a nice desk. And this guy has shitloads of brooches. And they're all laid out rather beautifully. Oh, he's got some Lego brooches. That'll be worth a bit of money. Yeah, what's going on in the garden in the background? Mm. Looks like... I see a dry stone wall. Looks like a Cumbrian style to me. Do you know what? It's so funny. I always do that. I'm always zooming around a picture to see what else is going on. A nice wooden floor. There's a whole Instagram account which is giving a critique of people's interiors design from their grinder photos so uh, oh my god. what's oh going my on god. behind them it's very funny oh my god that is amazing isn't it dr spice mm-hmm. uh spice girls memorabilia oh there's a video oh my god we're not just talking a couple of t-shirts and a pencil whole room full of spice girl stuff a lot of dolls there's an emma bunton calendar emma bunton poster didn't know they did dildos Geo says, I used to collect the knots of wood from fences when I was younger. I have no idea why, but I would pick them out of fences if I saw them. I then had a collection of them on my chest of drawers. I was a strange child. I love things like that. (laughs) I noticed that you missed out Aaron Paul Hicks retro cars, i.e. 80s Fords. Oh, what? Currently, I have an Mm. XR3i Cabriolet and now looking to to add an XR2i. Aaron Paul Hicks, are you attached to anyone? 
because you're my kind of man. It's part of my midlife crisis. Hey, none of that. I collect 80s cars. You do. Um, oh, I wonder if he wants... Do you want to buy a Mark III XR3i? With a nice big leak in, in the roof. Get in, shh, get in touch. <laughs> that can be amended. Get in touch. Homo sapiens at podcast.com. <laughs> yes, thanks very much. What else do you collect, William? Pieces of, you know, like um, brass. You know, I like brass. Yeah. And material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like I like material. I've got quite a lot of material. Pots. And old like terracotta pots and I mm-hmm. like baskets I like vintage clothes um, <laughs> I like but well, anything with birds on actually I love old wallpaper so the Marie Kondo sort of... thing's working out <laughs> <laughs> you are actually Chris in the land of the person who is our guest for this week I am indeed because we met her here on American Soil. She is quite the trailblazer. Her name is Margaret Cho. She is a stand-up comedian. She's an actress. She is a polymath, though. She's a fashion designer. She's an author. She's a singer-songwriter. She's kind of a trailblazer in the sense that she speaks very honestly, always. And, mm-hmm. and she talks, mm-hmm. actually, about that in her interview, about how how comedians should have one single joke at the centre of all of their work, a sort of thesis. And hers is... I shouldn't be here, but I am. And that comes from the perspective of being a queer woman and being a Korean American who has felt like an outsider at times. She covers really intense stuff with her shows. You know, she talks about substance abuse, eating disorder, her bisexuality, her obsession with gay men and um, Asian American stereotypes and how those in fact are changing now and she was brilliant she was so interesting talking about crazy rich asians and what that means for you know the asian community in hollywood it's a brilliant interview and without further ado here is our interview with margaret cho my basic joke is i'm not supposed to be here yet i am (laughs) so that is um sort of spelled out in every joke that i tell that there's like a, a, a germ of that like I'm not really supposed to be here that's kind of like the thing so whether mm. that's being Asian American being a woman being a, a hag whatever mm. that is like you know being the only woman in a gay bar that's that kind of like I'm not supposed to be here but I am mm-hmm. and that's the mm. kind of um, did you have a mentor was your mentor was, Joan Rivers yeah Joan Rivers and that's true yeah, yeah. Um, how, was, how did that happen well she and I um would often cross paths in New York and and, um, we would have dinner and I remember one night she was like, she was talking about her jewelry that she had just launched on QVC, the shopping channel. I loved her on QVC. Yeah, yeah. she was so good on QVC. Did you ever see her? No, I didn't see her. She was hilarious, so funny. funny She would do it for like hours, just selling her jewelry. And she had makeup and all sorts of like products for like, ladies like scarves and perfume and and stuff and she um but she wanted me to wear her jewelry and i i told her i didn't wear jewelry and then she was like horrified and then turned around and wouldn't speak to me for two years (laughs) yeah really she was great she was a really fun she was a really fun person and and a really sweet person and very um you know just very maternal very kind of like a lioness in that really? way so she was really special and not afraid to use herself and mock herself 
yeah. to make important points, yeah. actually. Because mm. actually, I would say actually, a lot of her humour, you know, it's like an obvious example like plastic surgery, mm. she would use herself Mm-mm-mm. to make points, if that mm. makes sense. Mm. You know, she, she didn't seem like pompous no. or snobby. No. She was happy to ridicule. Yeah. And I think that's brilliant yeah. comedy. And very human. Like, that, that she was really nervous before shows. And if you went to go mm. see her for a show, she was like, I don't want to see you before. I don't even know, want to know that you're there. Really? <laughs> like, incredibly, like, you had to be hidden. And you could see her and talk to her after, but she would get incredibly nervous. Joan Rivers, I think her elemental joke was, um, can we talk? Like, <laughs> let's break this down. Let's just... You know, yeah. like get rid of the artifice. I'm going to tell you what's really happening. Uh, but that was everything that she said was told in that sort of mission statement. Mm. So, so, I, so I never thought about that. And would every comedian have a notion of what their yeah, I think one they should. joke is or they should? What they're, and then there's people who kind of have the same ones. Like I think Kathy Griffin's is the same as Joan Rivers. It's like, let's just break down the artifice and we want to tell you what it's really, what's really going on. So that's the, the 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 character that needs to kind of go on in mythology. Is that's what they serve? I got it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so everybody should have one. Being such a fan of Jane Rivers, was there anything that she taught you that you feel like was the one lesson you got from her? Maybe it was even that. I think that the lesson was that you're going to. Um, get better as you get older mm-hmm. and that in all of the other uh professions in hollywood you don't get better as you get older it's harder mm-hmm. but for comedians your value grows with your time on earth and i think that was really true mm-hmm. so that's been very helpful for me mm-hmm. um and very comforting so you know that i think was the most important lesson mm-hmm. The show that you're touring at the moment, mm-hmm. we can't see any of it. But mm-hmm. how do you feel that it's changed? It changes all the time, like the way that the news is and whatever Trump is doing and whatever is up. I do talk a lot about the Me Too movement, too. And I think that things are always in flux there. So you have to be... Mm. Um, kind of emotionally open and available to do that kind of stuff, to, to change it up and try to figure out what's going to be the right thing. So it's always changing, which is great. But mm. everybody, the way that news is now, everybody knows exactly what's happening all the time, mm-hmm. every, everywhere, so that every, everybody is briefed by their phones before they even go to the show. Like, it's, we've never had mm. so much access to news. Mm. And that cycle that happens every couple of minutes through Facebook or whatever, everybody mm. knows what's going on. So it, it's actually kind of different to do comedy now than it was, say, like in the early 90s where we didn't have that same, everybody having the same frame of reference. Yeah. Yes. So there's a lot more to react to. Mm-hmm. Or there's a lot going on anyway at the there's, moment. There's a lot going on anyway, but I think it's, Maybe it was always like this, that, but we just didn't all have a say in it and have a way to express that opinion. You know, everybody mm. has the, a, a way to express themselves and to, you kind of get a sense of what, it, what people are thinking. Mm. So. Do you think Trump could be a lazy go-to for comedy? 
Because there is yeah. so much. Yeah. Do you know <laughs> so what I mean? Easy. It's like you yeah. can do a whole show on Trump right. every day. Yeah, of course, because it's just so shocking and so... Um, I mean, it's appalling though, that this is politics because now it's just... And it, it is it is very... It mimics reality television. And, mm. and it, it's just become such a, a parody of itself. Mm. So, yeah, of course, it's, it's I mean, low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> mm. a great example. Yeah. yeah. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. How do you take on that angle then. Mm. well you have to find another way to talk about it that it has uh, that has more value that has more resonance and um, so it tests you mm-hmm. do you feel ashamed as an American that you yes got, really yeah it's really it's really embarrassing really yeah especially if you're like because I'm touring other countries uh, you know going to Asia going to Europe and the shock and like the fear that people have around Trump and that that that, that don't live here and that it's a spectacle. It's mm. it's really embarrassing. Mm. And so you know this is something that you have to kind of deal with as an international comedian. You're you're dealing with people's perceptions of why he's president. It must be our fault somehow, which it is. You know, so mm. it's it's a really it's it's a really eye-opening thing and, and it, you realize the impact that the United States has on the rest of the world too that everybody knows what's happening here mm. where we don't necessarily know what's happening there I think there is a place where we all connect as human beings yes same as Brexit mm. in the UK so I don't mm. know how much people talk about that over here but you know I actually brought up Brexit in an Uber uh-huh. I don't know why I did it and you literally went I <laughs> 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 Um, I was like, because I had to explain what Brexit was, and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. But it's like, Brexit happened. Again, we live in a democracy. People vote. And, you know, 52% or whatever voted for us to leave the EU. Immediately, a sweeping thing was, you're all racist. Mm. You know, that's not the case. Mm. However, I'm not friends with anyone. Mm who voted yeah. to leave. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, within my... It would be a bit of a shock if, like, you turned around and went, I did vote for Brexit. Yeah, but it's, I suppose it's that thing that we all do, and, uh, and we all think the world should reflect our 25 closest people, and mm. I think that's where the conflict comes from, is that... I'm talking like I've got the fucking answer, which I don't. But, like... I believe you do. But, thank you. 
I needed that. Um, but yeah, you know, and that's why the problems start, where everyone becomes other, and when people start to become right. other, it's like... But the Me Too, the Me Too movement's a very interesting one. First of all, there's a dichotomy of, you know, we have quite a far-ish right government, let's say. It's not, we're not Trump land, but, mm-hmm. you know, the Me Too movement happened from one man, mm-hmm. Ogre, everyone knew anyway, and then that has spilled into the UK as well. Mm-hmm. And where, what do you think about that? I'd be really interested to hear your Well, opinions. I think it's just when it's, um, especially when you're talking about filmmaking in the 90s, that the, the atmosphere around it was really, it was like the studio system where you would mm. have to have sex with these studio chiefs in order to get anywhere. Mm. And they would hold that promise of a career over your head in order to get whatever they wanted from you. And and so, so many actresses and women in that time period experienced that, that it was the norm. Mm. So it's great to be able to talk about it now. And, you know, and it's weird um, that you don't have to be silent anymore, which is really (laughs) incredible. Mm. So I think that there's so much value to it. I think it's so important and it's, it's been very freeing for me. I think, uh, yeah, I, I do, I do love that. It's like, finally, we're able to talk freely about what happened, things like that. I think everywhere and, and, in pretty much every culture, there's, there's that sort of like thing where there's a permission around that, um, by the permission is granted by silence. Yes. So that's, um, how it, they get away with it and when you said your silence then reminded me of something that someone said it was probably someone really famous but um your silence will not protect you mm-hmm. you know and, mm-hmm. if, and and i that's always really resonated with me if i've been in a situation where something's been dodgy and it could be massively dodgy or even slightly dodgy you know you go mm, i need to just speak up right now because i you know with me too for example like I personally felt really guilty mm-hmm. that I had totally had conversations with my female friends who had been in situations like that. Mm-hmm. And we'd just sort of gone, yeah, rubbish, and not moved on and yeah. said, you know, you could mm-hmm. absolutely do something about right. this. Just, but, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I got cross because it took... that it took people who were not famous who had lots of things to lose mm-hmm. to confront and bring it up against Harvey Weinstein. And then you've got lots of very famous, um, you know, people that had have created their career, mm-hmm. have the bubble, mm-hmm. going, oh, yes, no, it happened to me too. I'm like, I don't know if it's your place to say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. these people have, have spoken up. Mm-hmm. And they've got everything to, to lose. You're in your ivory tower. Mm-hmm. You've got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. You've, got ev- you've actually got more to gain to jump on it yeah. and go, poor me. Mm-hmm. I just, it didn't, it was a bit like when Grenville Tower, did you hear about Grenville Tower in, in London? It burned. Mm-hmm. It was a big tower. Oh, yes, burned. yes, yes. And it's, it, it's always the dichotomy of, of any areas, I notice it in London, that you have very poor areas, right up against very rich areas. Mm-hmm. Notting Hill, being one of the most famous ones. You know, there were lots of celebrities that were tweeting saying, oh, I can see Grenville Tower and it's awful. 
I'm like, mm. I don't know if that's that tasteful because mm. you're in your massive Georgian house, yeah. like probably having a Negroni and a, and a, a Davidoff. <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? Watching yes. it going, oh, my heart bleeds for them. I'm like, yeah. you just need to be aware of your privilege. I think that's what it is, mm. like, mm. which is a big thing at the moment. Be aware of your privileged position. Mm. I'm aware of more and more of my privileged position as a white male. Mm. Like, just think about that more before right. you part, you comment on yeah, things. Yeah, of course. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Do you feel that changing here in a positive way? Well, I think that people are are acknowledging their privilege to more. You know, they're, 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 there's more of an awareness around that, which is good too. So that people are very sensitive about things. I mean, and we live in this uproarious culture where anything is can be scandal. You know, anything mm. can be really inflamed and you always have to be very careful about things. Um, but it's also, it, it, things burn out really quickly too. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's just a weird time, but yeah, but I think people are checking their privilege more now. I watched an interview of you on, uh, I can't remember what the show was, talking about Saturday Night Live, mm -hmm. and saying, I think you said that, I mean, <laughs> the way you said it, I thought it was, was funny and enlightening. Mm -hmm. You said over 40 years, they've had like one and a quarter American Asian people. <laughs> Asian, Asian Americans, yeah. Asian well, Americans. Had, they had uh, Lucy Liu, so there's one. That's like 15, <laughs> 16 years ago. Yeah. And then, uh, well, recently they had Kumail Nanjiani, mm -hmm. so that's good. Uh, so that would be two. And then um, Rob Schneider, who is half Filipino, so <laughs> two and a half. <laughs> Um, but maybe that'll be changing now, you know, we'll see. You worry about saying this kind of things because it, it, I could see you on that show. I was surprised you haven't been on that show. I know, I'm surprised. So do you well, see I'd that as to. a... Like uh -huh. I said, there's a music show called Jules Holland, okay? Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And I decided after about seven years, because I was a bit like, oh, fuckers haven't had me on. I, I came to fame doing a show called Pop Idol, which then became American Idol. So yeah. we get people can be snobby. Uh -huh. But I was like, I've been my chance. Yes. Mm. Jules Holland. Right. And I thought, fuck it. And I was in an interview. I went, you know, I'm just surprised I've never been on Jules Holland. I basically, like, that was it. I was never going to go on Jules Aww. Holland. But let's say, like, when you said that, did you think, mm, well, that's probably it? Well, no, not really. Just because I know that the way that the show is, it's kind of like, it's this weird thing where, you know, you, it's, it's fine to call it out, you know. Okay. I never really... I don't know. I never thought okay. about it. Like, oh, if I talk, talk about that, I won't be on. Yeah. You I know? See. And I've worked in the production company, you know, on 30 Rock, which is basically the same mm. thing. It's, yeah. it's with yeah. Tina Fey and Lauren Michaels, and I've worked with her often. Mm. So it's not, it's not a sense of, um, like, oh, I can't talk about this or else it won't happen. Mm. Got it. It's like so, a pure commentary yeah. noticing yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's getting better? I think that because of the amount of ridicule that actors get for taking those parts mm. or it's now it's like impossible for them to which i think is really good i think that's changed even in the last two years yeah you know yeah it's a lot better it's, that's really that's really good scarlett johansson not taking the role in i think it's called rub and tug where she was set to play a transgendered man mm. and she took it and then backed out mm. because she got so much you know she got dragged for it so that mm. i think is you know, society policing itself. Mm. Yeah, which that's really powerful. Yeah. Where actually 
then you're seeing the people, I'm seeing the people who are most visual going, mm -hmm. I can't do that, right. even if I want to buy that house in Malibu. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then that will, of course, have a knock-on effect to the producers mm -hmm. and the people with the money, because they're yeah. like, They're not going to put the money out. You know, um, like with the failure of Ghost in the Shell, why would you try to, mm. again, come out of this place of like, you're, you, you, you know, that the part should go to an Asian, it should go to an Asian actor, it should, or it should go to a transgendered actor. You know, that's mm. the feeling that people were expressing, you know. It's, it's been the same with gay roles, because it's like, if you're a straight yeah. man, and you play a gay role, and God forbid you then do that disgusting thing of kissing another man, it's like, <laughs> we're going to give you an Oscar. <laughs> but do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> or, you're, or you're, you know, you're a straight woman, and you play a gay woman, it's like, Gosh, that must have been hard. Whereas if you're a gay man or gay woman, it's like, well, you just do that anyway. You like doing that. <laughs> I think that there's uh, different schools of thought around it. I think because there's so relatively little, comparatively little expression of uh, gay sensibilities in pop culture anyway. So they're so rarefied that when they do occur, you really want it to be like, well, this is an opportunity for a gay actor. Like, mm. this is, you know, something that we should be able to um, see all the way through. So that that's that mm. that's kind of it too. I think there's just not enough representation for gay people in media anyway. Mm. So that when it exists, that you think, well, this should be an opportunity. Mm. It's the same. But so let's say well, there's stereotyping. I think there are two things going on because I think. There's stereotyping, so black stereotyping is that in the UK they will play a thug, mm -hmm. but, you know, they will play normally the criminal yeah. and normally poor. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that. If you're the gay person, male, then you're being the gay best friend in Bridget Jones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like camp and like, oh mm -hmm. my God, but a little bit sad and yeah. lives with their mum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, it could be like, the funny Asian guy in um, what's it when they go to they go to LA stag party or something like that. Oh, well, hangover. Oh, Ken. Something, yeah. Ken. Yeah. Okay. Who's let's say something like that. So I'm an actor. I'm getting typecast in these roles. I always have to play gay. So there's that, mm. and that annoys me because I could play straight. Mm -hmm. Then there's the other thing, which is like there's a thing with loads of gay roles, and I want that. So mm -hmm. I feel torn. Mm -hmm. You know, because I'm asking for two things at the same time. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, mm. well, it's it's more, it can be solved by allowing for more stories to be told, for more gay stories to be told. Then if we had more, then it wouldn't seem as if it's this unusual thing for one to happen. I think there's also something about art and commerce there, which is that if it's art, and it feels like the decision has been made by artists mm -hmm. for a role, i.e. God's Own Country, small film, then people are like, cool, because you're a person executing your vision. But when it feels like commerce made the decision, mm -hmm. like, we, if we're going to do this slightly edgy thing, we need to make sure the person playing the role is going to bring people to the box office or whatever, mm -hmm. that's when people are like, mm -mm -mm, you know? I think yeah. maybe that's what it is. Crazy Rich Asians, mm -hmm. like, 
so exciting. I, yeah, it feels so exciting. And it's really you... great. And I, I mean, you know, for me, Ken, Ken is a good friend of mine, Ken Jong and Aquafina, both are really close friends of mine who mm. are uh, stars in that film. And it's this incredible sense of like, we're going to actually accomplish something like Black Panther, which mm. I think was an amazing thing, you know? So that's what it feels like and you know the second movie has been greenlit already really um there's three there's three books there's three movies so there's okay. potentially three movies maybe more but i feel like this is really an exciting time mm. you know and and so there is a place for an all asian cast in hollywood and, mm. and in mainstream hollywood so this is really a great thing so i think it's it's a time for like a lot of change um which I hope for. Was there, was there a safe context for that film to happen? Because I know very little. Were the books very successful? Yeah, first? the books were hugely okay. successful. Right. I mean, globally um, successful. And, and um, just uh, the mindset of it, you know, and here was this, like, incredibly, like, rich and detailed story of people we'd never seen before outside of Asian mm. cinema. We've seen it in... Korean films and certainly in Hong Kong cinema, but we hadn't seen it in a Hollywood picture. Mm. So it was like Marvel created a, a safer yeah. place for something like Black Panther. That, yeah. Mm. This, but now the door, hearing you say it's exciting, it does mm -hmm. feel exciting. The door's kind of open. Yeah. But, mm. but it already existed beforehand as something that was sort of a bankable. Yes. It's a very, very anticipated movie from a very successful book. So the, the franchise was already in place. Mm before it ever sort of reached the stage of being in a movie. Stories can be identifiable even though you're not the person um, telling the story. So I mean, it's very, um, and that, that in itself is an incredibly important thing to acknowledge. Like, okay, well, this is actually something that everybody can enjoy, just in the same way that we've enjoyed Caucasian stereotypes are like forever, <laughs> forever these sort of like very mainstream visions of the world we've all mm. found places to connect to mm. movies and, and tv it's all about romance and and about mm. adventure and that that can be told by anybody mm. slight change in the subject but uh something that has been worrying in my mind as you're speaking as we're talking about um Crazy Rich Asians and how that feels so nice mm -hmm. to see something inclusive. Do you think that will come through in terms of sexuality as well? Because I think that at the moment, like we're there's gay men, like that seems to be, you know, that's winning Oscars, etc. But the greyer areas of being pansexual or bisexual mm -hmm. and things, like, do you think there will come a time because I'm I feel like do you identify as bisexual or more pansexual I remember reading stuff and it's interesting that if you said I think you said something which I love with that it's quite 70s it's very yeah. 70s it's very disco to be bi uh, <laughs> I like that that part of it but I also think that bisexual is all sort of like it limits the idea of gender as only being too. Yeah. And I think the gender is really limitless and there's a lot of people that I know who I've been with actually who are non-binary. Mm. So that's another area where you can see where language kind of isolates us. Yeah. So I think that um, I, I like the term bisexual because it's so old-fashioned but I think pansexual is probably more apropos. I think that we are looking more towards um, 
queer storytelling in mm. in a way that doesn't just talk about gays and lesbians and, and I think there's more mm. trans stories a lot more trans stories out there um, a lot more different kinds of experiences that are being shown mm. so I think that's really good did you find that with your with your comedy that you can't can you write a joke about something that is sort of occupying that grey area because it's not pronounced enough almost like when you're saying like I'm the only woman in a gay bar like that's it's a strong image in your mm-hmm. head yeah but can you do something that's more real to you in a joke? I think so. I mean, I think there's ways to. I think it's just, um, like, those jokes about identity, I think, are really valid and um, specific. Mm. And so there's, there's a lot of room to do that there, I think. And what took you into it? What was the drive to take you into acting, comedy... Oh, I love the art form. I mean, stand-up comedy is, to me, very easy. You know, it's a it's a thing that I enjoy doing, and it's easy to do for me. Like, it's not any kind of, like, real effort to actually do it. And that that sort of effortlessness is a good sign of where you... If you're doing something that you really should be doing. Mm. So was it, a thought, was it a thought when you were 18, 16, whatever, it's like, that's what I'm doing? Yeah, really I mean, was. that's really, like, I always planned on being a stand-up comedian, and that was really, like, kind of all I ever planned for my life. There's a very interesting thing about um, cabaret, I think, and comedy, um, and I think they're interlinked. Mm-hmm. Political, because I think comedy can be, is the most powerful weapon to make commentary on things. Yes. So you go back to Nazi Germany, the cabaret clubs, everything was you know, couched in comedy yeah. and campness, and, mm-hmm. and, but underneath, they're poking fun at the regime. Of course, yeah. And, that, and then you see that in shows like the British show called Little Britain, which I don't know if you Oh, yeah, knew. of course, yes. That is cabaret. Yeah, it know? is, it is. That, mm. But it was, it was passing really serious commentary on, like, right. the fact we've got young, you know, we have the young, um, single young mums it's the highest rate in the, in Europe. It's uh-huh. in Britain. Uh-huh. The way people treat people with mental health problems. All right. these Middle England, posh Middle England. You, right. know, you mentioned gay and the woman throws up. <laughs> yeah. You know, like proper I projectile. I love all their like little hidden jokes too, like the Sandy Talks Fig House, which I mean, like nobody would know unless you were there. Like it's yes. so funny. Like there's so many things about. I I love those guys. Actually, I was in. I went, one time I was playing there and uh, Don French took Matt and David out. We were all went out to a restaurant after the show. Mm. And um, David and I w- had to go in a car separately because there was a model coming to see him at the um, restaurant and then they had to separate. So they put me with David. David and I went one direction and the model went another direction and the paparazzi didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My most famous London moment. This is wonderful. Um, it was very good. Uh, but uh, yeah, those guys, and this was at the height of their craziness. Like everybody was so obsessed. Mm. We could have been new, David's new <laughs> girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. I know, but it's, um, yeah, they're so, they're so funny. She knows her shit, doesn't she? Yeah, quite echoey, that interview, which I think is an occupational hazard of recording things in Hollywood mansions made of only glass and marble. <laughs> don't get that around our house, do you? No, you don't. You get, gosh, it's just panelling and a bit of 
lino on the floor. <laughs> I think it's fascinating talking to comedians because it, you know, all seems so easy, but then you listen to them talking about it and it's like they're talking about maths, the precision and all of that. And she has done incredible things for representation of the Asian American community, the LGBTQ community. Big fans. But do let us know in our Homo Sapiens Extra what you think of that. tell you who i met this is inspiration for a song i met one of the pussycat dolls the other day did you what's yeah, she doing on grinder really nice anyway i will tell you the story in an extra but for now i think we should do the pussycat dolls don't you don't you wish you were a homo like me don't you wish you were a homo sapiens like me don't you don't you don't don't you? Don't you? Stop wangling that in the camera, Chris. It's putting me <laughs> off. It's only small. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Powered by Spirit Studios.